Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches doing work, changing lives. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Garrett Scales, owner of multiple fitness locations across the country, most notably these days, the Fit 60 locations in California and Tennessee. Garrett, how are you doing today? Good, man. How's it going? Uh, great, man. I'm excited to have you on here and talk about uh, this little empire that you're building. So let's hop into it. Um, give us a quick overview of, I know you got a couple of CrossFit gyms, and now you've branched out into this other brand that you've started called the Fit 60. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so I opened my first CrossFit gym back in 2015. Uh, ran the CrossFits all the way up to roughly around 2019, early 2020. And then I, I kind of saw this space between CrossFit gyms and your, you know, your boot camps, your, you know, your, your whatever global gyms, 20,000 square foot gyms. There was a space in between where we could com- kind of combine both and create a really intense workout, but using the functional movements and the methodology that I've always learned through CrossFit and in more of a cardio type workout with a little bit heavier dumbbell type weights. And with the Fit 60, it was just kind of created from that, kind of tweaked it, been tweaking it, still tweaking it and making it work and uh, trying to turn it into a licensed model that we've uh, established. Perfect. So a lot of us who've been around the CrossFit space, whether you've been in it or observing it, clearly it's it's been a model that's changed the micro gym economy. It's given a lot of uh, fitness, people in fitness, the entrepreneurial bug and a low barrier to entry, but a lot of things have spawned off it. You see it and you're like, yeah, this CrossFit thing is cool and I love it, but it excludes people or I don't own the brand or there's any number of reasons that it's, it's spinning off other things. Um, was there a tipping point for you, a, a, a certain thing that happened in the industry or with CrossFit or with you that you were like, all right, now's the time I'm going to launch this thing. I'm going to prove my concept and, and let's, let's see how it goes. Yeah. So I always got the, when you approach somebody to join your CrossFit gym, sometimes you're, they're like, oh, that's too hard or I don't know how to do pull-ups, or I can't do gymnastics, or lift the barbell. And it was such a big turnoff to people that I was like, okay, I got to find something that I can still capture this client base, and I can still do the CrossFit side of things. So that's why I created the Fit60, is I'm really capturing that client that I didn't want to miss out on. And I think there's just a whole market there that you could get, creating really intense workouts, using the same ideas that I came up in the fitness world with, but it's a low barrier of entry. So CrossFit has such a high barrier of entry that there's so many things to learn. There's a hundred movements plus, you, you, you know, ideally you need to learn. And somebody walking in day one that doesn't know anything, it can be overwhelming because you got somebody in the corner over here snatching and somebody running over to the pull-up bar to do pull-ups and back and forth into the rower. And it's just, it's complete chaos. So the Fit 60 creates something where somebody can walk in. I have 65-year-old women that walk in, and they can get on the runner, the curved runner we use. They can get on it. They can walk. They can run. They can jog, whatever they want to do. But anyone off the street can come in and do it and still get a workout, a high-intense workout, not so much 
like a boot camp, you know, not to knock the boot camps, but I, I think we try to go a little bit more intense than those. Um, but a high intense workout and not really injure themselves or be over, over uh, just nervous about what's going to happen as far as the movements and things like that. All right. So something that we see a lot in the industry is someone has a CrossFit gym or functional training gym or whatever it is, something like that. And maybe they're not as successful as they want to be. And they think I got to add something else. I got to add this other program or I got to, I got to change what I'm doing um, just because I'm, because I'm not doing well. You know, it kind of comes from a place of not desperation, but, but necessity where in your case, you have your two gyms, they're doing relatively well. You're like, all right, this is cool. And I don't really need to reinvent what I'm doing here. CrossFit is CrossFit, but I see this big market that I can't tap into without diluting or changing what it is. So instead of just trying to, to add shit into your CrossFit gym, um, and see what you can do to, to trick people or get people in. You're like, I'm just going to take this, this whole big barrier to entry off and just go with this other brand. CrossFit's still cool. There's still people that want to do it. This business is doing well, but let me just address this market differently instead of trying to shoehorn them into your, your CrossFit buildings. Yeah. So CrossFit, you know, I, we have that and it's going to be the hardcore CrossFitters and they're going to do it. And they're going to, people are going to love it. Or some people are just going to hate it. it and it is what it is. But I, I've tried everything under the sun. I've tried yoga classes. I've tried a CrossFit light. I have, uh, you name it. I've tried it in the CrossFit gym, you know, do what you're good at people. If, if Sally from down the road or Beth from down the street want to do yoga, they're going to go to a yoga studio. You know, if they want to go run, they're going to go to, they're going to go outside or run. They're going to go to your orange theories and things like that. So don't try to be what you're not. Do do what you're good at. Do what works. And if, you know, if you have another idea, you can explore it, but it's got to make you money at the end of the day. It can't cost you money. So I took, you know, I, the Fit 60, I was like, it's not something I can incorporate with the CrossFit side because it needs a different type of equipment anyway. So I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to take a little bit of money and I'm going to create its own model, its own thing. And we're just going to try to have its own location and so far you know we're we're really a year into having that orange location all the way going it seems people seem to really like it we've done well this year and it's been a good year it's one of my best first years of opening a gym yeah and you know let's not miss out on the fact that this happened to be in you know quasi post-pandemic fitness business apocalypse times to where you know, that California was one of the hardest hit, longest, most shutdowns, all that stuff. So there's pros and cons there. But once you saw that, all right, you know, th- things are going to be okay enough. We're going to do this. So you get in, you, you get the doors open. Uh, what do you do for marketing? Are you doing, are you doing social media marketing? Are you in paid advertising? Mm-hmm. Was it a lot of, you know, word of mouth, referral events, what did you do to start getting the word out about it? Uh, so for the orange location, so for the Southern California orange location, we didn't do any social media marketing right off the bat. So um, I had a lot of like CrossFitters come over and do the class. 
we had about 30 people from the CrossFit side sign up at a discounted rate, obviously can't make them pay two memberships, but at a yeah. discounted rate to do it. And what that really did is that helped kind of fill the class spots. Cause a lot of times you get new, new gyms opening. You don't want one person working out by themselves, you know? So it helped really put butts in seats. Uh, we did the class pass and we still do the class pass thing. And you know, it is what it is as far as that goes. So we haven't done a lot of social media marketing for orange. We've just kind of let it grow organically. Um, the Nashville and Murfreesboro, we have put a hard push on social media marketing. I actually hired a company, um, to kind of take us through a full pre-sale process. Uh, it's been 12 weeks and we, you know, we've done the full thing as far as social media, uh, community outreach, things like that. So we're really trying to professionalize the pre-sale process like any of the big boxes do or the, any of the, you know, the chains do it, the orange theories, of the world, the, the fit body boot camps, uh, things like that. So we really brought that aspect and that training so we can take and we can kind of push to anyone else that wants to open their own locations. We can be like, okay, here's your 12 week process. Here's what works. Here's the people to contact. So we can give them a full playbook on how to open your gym with, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 people day one or month one. Yeah. So you mentioned the number of what, you know, what you could open with it. Let's talk about that, the model, how many people, you know, what kind of footprint is it um, mm -hmm. for, you know, for the, the fit 60 model and what's an ideal, you know, number of clients, what does that look like um, compared to coming out of the CrossFit model? Yeah. So we're, we're very, it's very structured. It's obviously mm -hmm. fit 60 is a functional interval training for 60 minutes, you know, pretty simple but uh it's it's interval based so there's no chaos in the class it's very kind of structured so we have not eight to ten runners depending on the location uh the curb treadmill self-propelled mm -hmm. runners uh and then we found i found it's called ski row it's a rower that flips up and turns into also a ski machine so that kind of uh, shrinks the footprint that you need and less equipment kind of two in one type thing and then we use a torpedo which is basically a dumbbell and a kettlebell had a, you know, a cast iron baby. And there you go. It's a torpedo. And we use those and we, you know, body weight movements. We have some boxes for box, you know, metal boxes for box jumps or step ups and things like that. Some small stuff, but those are the three core elements. And we create the interval workouts around that. So there's, you know, <clears throat> even though I have eight to 10 runners, I have eight to 10 skis too. So ideally we could have anywhere from 16 to 20 people in class and no one's going to run into each other because it's, you know, we're doing a minute here, a minute there, 45, you know, it's all interval-based switch. So that's kind of created the model, fit more people inside a smaller space, but comfortably. Yeah. So ideally after these are up and running for a while, you know, the machines running, getting in, it sounds like it's a model that probably could support upwards of what, maybe 300 clients, depending Easy. on the, the exact one. So you're not you're not limited, um, you know, uh, as far as operational capacity goes with a big old rig or seven foot barbells or, you know, some of those other things. And mm -hmm. arguably for Gen Pop Fitness, people can get just as good, maybe a better workout if, if things are structured and you can, as a business owner, you can put more people in without sacrificing quality or safety. Right. So going back to the CrossFit days, I have one gym is, you know, about 5,000 square feet, pretty good size mm -hmm. uh, CrossFit space. Well, 
my Murfreesboro in South Nashville is one is 2,300 square feet, one is 2,000 square feet. And we're plenty of space inside those. So I, think I, I just brought my overhead down, but I'm, I, I have the same price point for the membership roughly, mm -hmm. give or take a few bucks, same price point. So I'm, they're paying a premium price for you know, that style of fitness and I can fit the same amount of people in. So I, my cash flow, business-wise, is way better just from those two factors. Yeah. And less equipment. I, you know, obviously, I'm paying for less equipment. Which is nice. And, and you know, coming from a CrossFit background, and you're, you're in the CrossFit background, we all have this strong belief in how good the methodology is and how high of a level of fitness you can get. But the public doesn't agree as far as voting with their wallets. We right. may think it's elite fitness, but you can get 200, you know, depending on the market, maybe 200, $250 for a really good boutique fitness experience, mm -hmm. you know, in a micro gym. And you can't get any more than that for CrossFit. Most CrossFit gyms can't get $150 or, yeah. you know, it's, it's pulling teeth and it's like, you believe in it and that's great, but the market doesn't believe in it. And ultimately, if, if you're in business, you got to listen to what the market says to a certain degree. Yeah. So that's, the, that's the game right there. That's the, you know, that's the whole game is convincing someone that they need your service and you give them the best experience possible. And that's, I really preach that to my gym manager, gym managers that um, if they got to have come in, they have to have fun. They have to have a good time. And that's all on you as a coach. You have to make it fun for them because no one wants to get up at 5 a.m be take their pre-workout and they're in a great mood and they're ready to go for the day you know no one is you got to convince them they want to come in and do that and the same thing after they've had a bad day at work and their boss has been yelling at them they want to come in they're looking to have that best hour of their day so i really preach that to the team and that just kind of trickles down into so if they're having a good time they're having fun they're getting a workout in they're lifting a weight and they're breathing hard it makes it easier to convince them of that price point Right. Cause that's all it is. You're convincing them that they need your service and you're showing them the, the value in it. Yeah. And you're not, you're not LA fitness. You're not 24. You're not trying to get two, 3000 clients. It's, you know, no, everybody can't afford that. If you're at a higher price point, you don't need everybody. You just want the people that see that value and that you can over deliver for. And if it's a couple hundred people, great. Like just about any town can support that. If you know who you are and you just stick with it, hey, this is what we're doing. We're either we're either going to demonstrate the value and bring you on as a client, or figure out what the disparity is, right? How do we show more value? How do we demonstrate it? How are our price points right? But you know, you don't need to get everybody that way. It's you're never going to compete with a big box on a lot of the things that they can do. Right. Price just one of those things. So you got to pick your hill to die on and just, just go for it hard. So just do what you do exceptionally well. Yeah. And, yeah. and everything all, else will work out. All marketing is great. Having great sales skills. Great. All those things for getting people in. Uh, but if your product isn't good, you're just going to be in that cycle, eventually burn out real. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. Cause I mean, being a coach and being in the gym business is an absolute grind. It's not something that's, <laughs> It, you know, you open it and they will come. So you gotta, you gotta make it happen. You gotta get out there and re, re, uh, reach people. And I tell my whole staff a lot of times, this is a relationship business. Yeah, we teach fitness and we teach you how to squat and things like that and make sure you get a good workout. 
but it's a relationship business at the end of the day because if you're if you're shitty at your relationships with people you know sometimes i struggle with it a little bit because my days get long and i get a little cranky <clears throat> but i try i try to overcome that but if you have bad relationships with people it's gonna it's gonna affect your business drastically no one's gonna want to work out there absolutely so you're about i think you said really officially just about a year into having the southern california location up and running yeah. And now you have these two launching um, in Tennessee. What would you say the things are that maybe didn't go to plan in California that you figured out that now you're you're applying in Tennessee? You yeah. know, now that you know better, what are you going to do differently? Well, taking it back one step, we actually started this late 2018. Okay, so uh, and I had I had a CrossFit gym in downtown Long Beach, purely downtown. Mm -hmm. um, so there wasn't a lot of outside area and things like that. We put a fit 60 in the upstairs for me to like kind of test out in the Long Beach area. And the idea was I'm going to take it from down there and move it retail Long Beach kind of trendy. Cause that's kind of what it is. And it, and it, and it should do well, but then COVID hit. <clears throat> so 2020, I didn't really have hardly any progress with the fit 60 Long Beach was shut down. So I really lost a full year there. And learned a lot of things with that. So when I actually took Long Beach, I, that's when I moved it to Orange. And, you know, took some of that equipment over there and we kind of made things work. And that's how we built out Orange. Is, it was really from Long Beach being shut down. <clears throat> things I've learned from there is uh, I started out with too much equipment in Orange. And I was like, you know, we got going and I was like, you know what? I have too many runners and too many rowers in here. We need to shrink this down a little bit. So I, you know, kind of tweaked it there, shrunk it down a little bit. The workouts are always ever evolving, you know, <clears throat> trying to keep it fresh, new ideas. Cause the difference between the old CrossFit that I, you know, have, there's hundred plus movements. So there's always a variety. Fit 60, there's less movements. So I gotta be a little more creative sometimes in the workouts to make sure it's not the same thing all the time. So that just comes with the experience. That's something we tweaked over the, over the, um, over the past years, really making sure the client experience is better. Okay, so how big is the Orange location? It's twenty five hundred square feet. Okay, so similar okay. in size to the Tennessee spot. So you yeah. you scale that to what you had figured out. All right, this is this is what I can do for a footprint. This mm -hmm. is this is going to be the ideal setup, the ideal equipment in order to have a good flow keep everything moving, not, not, you know, chaos, like some other, other workouts can be, whether we yeah. love them or, or don't, but, um, so you have that. And then, like you said, you didn't really do anything, um, with social media marketing and, and now to launch the two Tennessee locations, you have that you're doing the pre-sale thing. And, and yeah. clearly, like you said, that works for, for a lot of the chains, a lot of the big boxes. It's, it's nice to take, you know, take some money in and have people signed up before you open the door rather than opening the door to classes with one or two people. That's, mm -hmm. that's not fun. The group group effort there. What do you think the, um, the big challenges are going to be in, in Tennessee or what evolutions do you see coming as you prove out these models repeatedly and then look to um, license them out to other people who are interested? I think the challenge in Tennessee is anytime I go to a location, I always look at the demographics, right? Not so much 
not really the race side of things, but I look at the, and the male, female, I really don't pay attention, a lot of attention to that, but I look at the income, right? <clears throat> and I look at the area. What is the price and what is the income of the area? Because there has to be a disposable income for people to spend on a gym membership because if hard times hit, what's the first thing they're going to cut? Their gym membership, right? So I have to pay attention to what is this, the price point? What does the housing market look like? How, do, you know, are they making 50 grand a year, but the housing market is crazy? Well, that might not be the best spot to put a location. Uh, so I kind of pay attention to those two things as far as location. <clears throat> I got sidetracked. What was the, sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> I get going on uh, tangent. No, no, we were just, I was just talking about what, what do you think the challenges are going to be? There it is. Those, those, uh, those locations up and what you see, how you see those affecting the scaling of the, of the license model. <clears throat> yeah. So, so the challenge always with a new brand is really getting the name out there. I think that's going to be my challenge in Tennessee because no one knows what the fit 60 is out here and only down in orange, they know what it is down there. So that's always going to be the challenge is getting the, the name, what it is, what are we, what do we do out there? You know, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I, I joke with people is I, I may have messed up the name because sometimes they think it's fit for 60 and over. So I, you know, sometimes like, ah, oh, I may have messed that name up, but you know what, we're going to roll with it, <clears throat> go with it. But uh, we just got to get our brand out there. That's really the challenge. I don't think there's a lot of challenges other than that is getting that out there. Gotcha. I did my home. I did my homework when it comes to demographics and the, you know, the, the, the income around here, the, <clears throat> what are people into? I even, you know, got on there and looked up some surveys of, how trendy is the fitness aspects in these areas. So I really did my homework out here. Gotcha. So as we start to wind down time-wise, what's your, what's the, the long-term vision? Where do you see, you know, if we were to look five years down the road, right? Where you're a pretty young guy, there's a, there's a lot of business life ahead of you, but I think five years is usually a pretty good time frame for somebody like you who's developing things. Where do you see things going ideally? Is it number of locations? Is it, you know, another project that you want to take on as an entrepreneur? Like it doesn't necessarily even have to be in fit 60, just where you're going as a business person. I think far as business going, I, I want to open, uh, I think we need to open a few more corporate locations uh, just to kind of get a brand awareness going. <clears throat> so we'll open a few more corporate locations, but you know, the big push is, and I think we're going to, that's what 2021 is going to be is really having licensees open their own locations. And we'll do that with a social media push, you know, open your fit 60 today and we'll try to get out there what we can provide them. Cause I've already done, I've already been through this multiple times. So I can take this full playbook that I've had professionals help me develop and give it to somebody and be like, here you go. This is what you do. And then obviously give us some business support behind that. <clears throat> I don't want to be a pure license model work they pay their, their a fee. And then we just be like, all right, go ahead and do your own thing. Cause that's just uh that's just not going to be successful. So I really want to push that to them, get some more licensees to open their own, but get some more corporate locations. And, you know, if a company comes in and they, they want to put some, you know, capital injection in here and we can really scale this uh, exponentially, we can really make it happen. It's such an easy model to put up. Heck yeah, man. Well, I hope to, uh, I hope that some point down the line, I see I'm traveling or 
I see a fit 60 pop up wherever I'm living at the time. And I yeah. shoot you a text message like, man, you said you were going to do it. So I'll, I'll look forward to seeing that happen. So last question before I let you go, uh, you've been in the fitness game a while, yep. a couple of different brand identities, a couple of different things that you've done. Uh, if you had, you know, a piece to piece of advice or a lesson, anything that you could share to somebody out there listening that you think would be the most useful either to younger you or to, to somebody, somebody uh, trying to get better at this business, what would it be? How are you a staff that can help you grow it? Because you can't do it all yourself. If you're coaching every class in your business, in your gym, you can't work on your gym, your business. So that's the big thing. Hire your staff. I understand it might be a little pricey, but you know what? Bite the bullet with one, extend it a little bit, work your way into it, and they'll help you grow that business. Awesome, man. I appreciate that piece of advice. And um, I think that people out there listening might want to rewind that once or twice and just, just let it sink in because as much as we want to do everything and we might not think that anybody else can do it the way we can, sometimes... Sometimes a nine out of 10 that you don't have to do is better than 10 out of 10 that makes you work 14 hours a day. So uh, it's a grind anyway. Don't make it harder on yourself. So before we let you go, if people want to check out what you're doing, look at your license model, look at the facilities, what you're building, where can they find you? Social media, websites, all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you can go on any of the Fit60 social media handles for the gym. You can kind of check out what the classes look like. I, we post pretty regularly on there. And then the fit60.com, you can see every local the landing page for every location. Click partnerships if you're interested. Email us at info the fit60.com and we can reach out. We can have a conversation and just see what you want to do. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today, sir. Thank you very much for being on with us. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. And to everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. And if you want to hear more, click the link, hit the subscribe button, get notified when new episodes drop. If you want to be on the show, there's a link in the description there. Fill out the form. Someone from the team will get in touch with you as soon as possible. To everybody out there in Gym Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches and learn more about their business and business knowledge as a whole. I'm your host, Ryan Carson, and today we're here with Jeff. Jeff, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, thanks. How are yeah, you? Yeah, man. I'm good. Thanks for coming out today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's kind of jump right into it. So what is the name of your facility and where are you guys located at? We are Bang Personal Training. We are in Toronto, Canada. So uh, right downtown in Toronto. Okay, awesome, man. So um, how long have you, uh, how long have you been in business, roughly? We opened in 2008. Oh, 2008. Awesome, man. So, so you guys have been around the block for a while then. 
yeah, you know, it's, it's dog's years in, uh, in the fitness industry. So it really like a, is a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, you're like OG levels now. So <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been a gym owner since, uh, 2015 and, uh, yeah. So you've got a few on me too. Awesome, man. Well, um, yeah. So a little about your business model. Well, first off, um, how, have you guys been at the same location the whole time or have you moved over the years? Uh, we've always been in the same location. We opened up originally, um, and subleased part of the space that we're in now. Um, and and I guess that's sort of, you know, going into the origins. Um, my, at the time I was working as a personal trainer. Uh, I was, uh, my Brazilian jujitsu instructor said, Hey, we're moving spaces again. Um, and we're going to go to this spot. And I was like, that's way too big. You don't need that, but you know, it'd be great there. Um, a gym would be amazing. And so we, um, we started up, um, with part of the space in 2008. Um, and I thought at the time, uh, the idea was to work more with combat athletes. And I saw, uh, there was a real sort of emerging need for that strength and conditioning, even now, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, 13 plus years, uh, it's sort of it kind of in baby stages, I think it's, it's still pretty young, but you know, we, we sort of, uh, and, and for reasons we can probably get into, um, sort of leaning into, into the general population by 2012, we wound up taking over the whole space. Um, so, oh, nice. um, and so we went from about, you know, like a, like a 1200 square foot gym space, which is, I think a not uncommon number at all right. to, um, I mean the whole, the whole space we're in is, is about 6,000 square feet. Um, okay. Nice. Uh, with, you know, maybe, maybe half of that is, is like floor space. Okay. So, so you guys definitely have some, some room to, to work now, right? We can, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of room for activities. Yeah. A lot of room for activities. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So was it, was it ever a plan to be a gym owner? I mean, or was it just kind of that day you're like, Hey, that'd be pretty cool to have there. Like not at all. Not at all. So I never in a, in a million years thought like I was never uh, a gym guy growing up. I wasn't, um, I wasn't big into that. I was really into martial arts. That was really important for me. I love moving and that wound up being a, a really great thing. And I, I kind of realized, wow, this is, this is really important for my mental well-being, for my ability to focus and be present. And so my, my initial sort of curiosity was about how do I keep doing this? I want to be a jacked old man. Well, not necessarily a jacked old man, but I want to be, I want to be mobile. I want to be durable. I want to be able yeah. to continue to exercise, um, you know, my sixties and seventies. And, and so to try to reverse engineer that process, I began asking about, you know, how does, how does this all work? And that, that kind of brought me down, um, the rabbit hole of, of physical preparation. Um, I started mostly as an experiment, you know, dipping my toes in the water, working as a personal trainer. And I think, you know, one of the questions that comes up a lot is, well, what's the progression of this? It's not like we're, you know, climbing a corporate ladder. There's no, there's no ladder. And so I think I had kind of this vague idea that, Hey, you know, maybe in six or seven years, I'll open a space. Like, is that, is that where, where this goes? And I think we always have to question. And from, from a training perspective, from a business perspective, what are our assumptions about uh, progress and like an ultimate destination? Because it, it doesn't always stack up. Um, right. yeah. in, in any case, um, this, the, the way that happened with this space, I saw this as a great opportunity. Um, I, was, I was training out of a private space and pretty progressive folks in, in Toronto at the time. Um, 
I said, Hey, what do you think about opening up another space? We can focus on combat athletes. Initially there were, they were in and later they were out. They got, you know, kind of the, the more real it got, the, the more hesitant folks got. And I remember kind of saying to a friend one day, just on a phone call, ah, it's too bad. It's, you know, such a great opportunity. And he said, well, I have a little bit of money to invest. And he, he meant that he had a little bit of money to invest. Yeah. Um, you know, he had like five grand, yeah. but I, I mentioned it at lunch the next day uh, to some other folks. And one, one of them said, Hey, I, I would put some money into that. And, and it was really, it was organic. And I think yeah. people just trusted me um, and uh, for better, or for worse. And, uh, and so we started with like probably a 10th of what I would recommend a startup capital. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like so, so many of these things, we kind of bootstrapped our, our way up. And, and that was, um, that's how this got going. Uh, you know, like, like a lot of things um, not planned, um, try to an extent going with the flow. And, and I didn't, I felt like if I said, I didn't feel ready to be sure I didn't feel ready, but I also didn't know if I'd have another opportunity yeah. uh, to do this kind of thing. So, so we rolled with it. That's awesome, man. And that's the thing, like, you know, we're never ready you know, to do something like that. And it's funny that you mentioned like, you know, what's next, like the corporate ladder, so to speak, doesn't exist for a PT because before, you know, like, because I, I started off the same way, personal trainer and, you know, I worked for a, a box, like a big box gym, but, you know, also did stuff privately. And I was thinking like, you know, in the private space, I was like, yeah, you know, I could do this training thing and maybe train out of someone's gym or whatever. But like you said, it's kind of like, well, where do you go from here? Like before you know it, you've been training these people for a few years. You have a full book and it's like, this is it. Like I can't, there's no more hours in the day. So it has to, if you want to progress, like it has to go to that next level. And um, yeah, I think, so you realize that. And then it sounds like you were just kind of uh, spitballing one day, right? And then everybody's like, well, hey, I'll do it. Then you're like, well, shit, Okay all right, this guy's like, yeah, I'll throw some money in before you know it, you have yourself a gym. Yeah. It was sort of a, a extended hold my beer moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, now you don't have to do like karate in the garage, right? So you have your own <laughs> to do karate, like all you want to do. Well, cool, man. So, so you guys ended up taking over the whole space and, and tell me like, how has the business evolved? Like now looking at it, um, what are your gut, what are the services you offer? Um, what's a typical experience like for a new member whenever they join? Mm -hmm. So we do, uh, three things fundamentally. We do uh, small group classes. We do personal training and our, our sort of flagship service. The main thing we focus on is small group, personal training or, or group okay. personal training, we call it. Um, a lot of folks refer to it as semi-private, yeah. which is not a name that I love. Uh, we, we use it for, for uh, purposes of clarity here. Uh, yeah. but the, the way that works is we will have up to five people working with one coach. Their programs are individualized. So it's not, it's not a group class. Um, and we find this was an experiment, uh, that we ran. So, so basically I opened the space in 2008 thought, okay. Um, and what I had seen was other people renting their space out to personal trainers and some, some really good people were doing that. Um, and kind of running their own style and developing their own culture. And I sort of, you know, not knowing much else, I thought, okay, this, this will work. And then I very quickly kind of figured out, wow, if I'm depending on personal trainers to do their own marketing uh, successfully for my business to run, I'm going to be in trouble fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I um, 
I went down, I, you know, the first really big piece of, of continuing education I invested in after opening was going down to, to Mike Boyle's place for, for a week for mentorship, this, you know, I don't know, 2008, 2009. Um, I thought I was going to learn training stuff, but I watched this amazing uh, business model, right? So he was running, you know, groups of athletes through in a very organized way. And I, I didn't have the space for that, but I thought, you know what, I'll bet there's a real desire for an athletic style of training. Mm -hmm. for most people. And mm -hmm. so, you know, in, and curiosity and, you know, and being willing to be experimental are still really huge values. So we ran that and it went, you know, we ran small group uh, training, athletic bent um, and it went well, people enjoyed it, but I didn't feel like I was, I was quite there where I wanted to be yet. Um, I was uh, kind of encouraged to go down and check out uh, uh, Alan and Rachel Cosgrove who were teaching semi-private, this kind of model. Mm -hmm. um, I did that at the end of 2009 and said at the beginning of 2010, I said, you know what, let's, let's just flip it all over and see, see what happens. What I, what I had figured out even in a short time and a bit of uh, experimentation was this is a really great model. And I'll still stand by that um, in terms of developing the skills of coaches, in terms of developing the skills of the people you're working with. Mm -hmm. However, um, what I didn't understand, what took me a really long time to understand is how to message it, how to talk about it, how to market it, because almost nobody is going online and looking up that model unless they've been exposed to it. Sometimes someone's like moved from another place where they did it and, yeah. and, and one in like 200 will, will actively be looking for it. But most people are looking uh, for more conventional services. Then it's kind of our job to figure out really what their needs are. Yeah. And then see if, if what we're doing is the right fit for them. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because a lot of people, a lot of people aren't familiar with that model and they don't even know to ask for it, really. Like they don't know it exists. So I think a lot of people, when they think of group training or like even small group training, they're thinking, OK, it's going to be me and three or four other people. And, you know, we're going to be running through this hit workout like everyone's got the same thing. But when it comes down to their own programming, you know, I think a lot of people believe that that only exists with a one-on-one -on -one personal trainer, but that's, that's definitely not the case. And I, once they understand the value of that, like, you know, you can, you can get, you can get this, you can still have a coach. It's not one-on-one, -on -one, but it's pretty damn close and it's not as expensive. Right. I mean, I think that definitely drives the value up for them. Yeah. I find that for most people, um, with, with, with a few exceptions, it works better. And, and, and here's, here's kind of what I, what I realized over time, right? Actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a Tai Chi story. Uh, you uh, know, I mentioned I did, did a lot of martial arts. So when I moved to Toronto in mm, 2002, uh, I started uh, taking Tai Chi of all things. I wanted to, to check it out. And um, the, the guy I learned from, this is his family's thing that for five generations, this is what they've been teaching since like, uh, you know, his great, great, great grandfather, uh, somewhere in there was, was like a, a bodyguard, uh, you know, late Qing dynasty. And, um, in any case, so his great uncle back in the seventies, some folks in Malaysia said, Hey, can you come down? We'd like you to teach us the Tai Chi form. So he went down for a couple of weeks. He taught them, you know, the stuff you see people doing in parks, slow, you know, moving very slowly. Um, and before he left, he said, Hey, I don't want you to forget the details. So I'm going to leave a voice recording and you can follow it. So laid it down and they had instructions like, okay, step forward with your left foot, raise your left hand, look to the right, et cetera. And 
he left them to practice. And, and that was kind of that. And then fast forward 30 years, my teacher gets a call from the same group. They're like, we're still, the band's still together. We're still practicing. We want you to come down um, and, and pick it up. So he, he flies down to Malaysia and he asks the group to show him the form. And they do the same thing they've been doing for 30 years. They put on the recording and they do the Tai Chi form. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that looks pretty good. Like, honestly, all things considered, that is pretty respectable. Um, but let's do it without the recording. And within five moves, they fell apart. They had never, they just never practiced that way. They had never had to remember to do things. Yeah. And so there, um, and that was what I was finding with personal training in our efforts to give great service and justify our existence and our high hourly price tag. We often want to over deliver and show how important and how valuable we are. But when we do that, it can actually detract from the learning process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what I can say now, having a lot more coaching experience is what we want. We want a, a combination of high expectations and high support. We want to hold people to a high standard. Um, but we want to make sure that this is something they can consistently execute on. And um, when we sort of micromanage their movements, we'll give them those little details. We've got mm-hmm. interns now from the local university. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, I want you to demonstrate this exercise to, to a member. And there was like five minutes of exposition before they started. They wanted to set up and all these details. I was like, whoa, just to show them, ask, if you say 10 things, it's hard to know which is the most important thing. It is. Um, yeah. If you say one thing, uh, we're probably going to guess uh, with, with a high percentage, what is the most important thing? So, um, understanding that flow of information and the efficiency of information flow, because, you know, with, with folks we've been working with for, for an extended period of time, we have developed a language and there's no universal, there's no magic way to kind of fast forward this. Um, you have to develop that common language, but at the end of the day, I should be able to shout a single word across the gym and they know exactly what they need to do, right? Yeah. Because this has been a common thing that we've worked on. We've developed that vocabulary, but you don't always um, develop that efficiency of language when you have the luxury of, of spending all this time on stuff and you kind of feel compelled to do it. So what I found was this format, although it theoretically, you know, I thought, well, maybe we can be competitive with personal training. What I found was we didn't lose any time in terms of progress when I compared really kind of um, lovingly, you know, um, holding someone's hand and walking them through everything for, for three months. And we compare that to somebody in this model for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, th- nobody's lost any time. And in fact, um, the, the person who's, who's gone through this group, uh, personal trainer or, or semi-private training experience, uh, you know, certainly the way we do it, um, I, uh, they, they know more, they remember more, they're more independent. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's a good point too, because I've had clients I'm sure you have to, if let's say like they're, they're one-on-one PT client and they come in, let's say they're just going to get an extra workout in that day. And like my phone's getting blown up. And if I look out on the gym floor, they're usually just kind of wandering aimlessly, you know, um, kind of scrolling through their phone. And then they'll, they'll do a few sets of this, few sets of that. You can tell that, you know, their rep range, you know, they may do, they may do 10 when in reality they probably had, you know, 30 more in the tank because they have mm-hmm. no idea what kind of weight to use. You know, that's, that's a really good point. And uh, 
also with that small group training, it brings out the the competitive side of people too, I believe. You know, um, people may not be doing the same thing. They may not be in better shape than this person, but people don't want to be outworked, you know, especially when you put them in that setting. You know, culture is is what isn't said explicitly. It just kind of states this is this is how we do things. This is this is standard operating procedure. And if people come in into a space and folks are checking their phones, wandering around aimlessly, we go, okay, that's I don't know, and you know, especially if you're new to fitness, you go, so this is how it's done. Yeah. Um, where if you walk into a space and what one of the, the things that brings me great joy in life is just to look out on the gym floor when it's busy and seeing um, a bunch of people working, uh, and I don't mean redlining where things are falling apart, but working with a reasonable level of intensity, working hard, being focused, keeping their technique tight where everything has integrity, where there's an intention behind everything. It's beautiful. And there's, it's kind of, it's more of a calm energy. Um, so we're not very, you know, rah, rah, rah. I kind of, uh, one of the, the big things for me is I trust implicitly. I trust deeply in the motivation of anyone who shows up here. It's not easy to, um, it takes, it takes a certain amount of motivation, desire just to pick up the phone, just to come into the space. So I never feel like I have to motivate people. I feel like our job is to give them the right level of challenge at the right time. Mm -hmm. And they will, they, they are able to harness the amount of motivation they have. Now, some days it's higher and some days it's lower, but as long as we're moving forward, they feel like uh, they have clarity on what to do and they feel successful. Um, great work happens as a result of that. And I don't have to, um, we don't have to sort of try to puppeteer their, their emotional experience to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of shifting gears here into like um, lead generation. So what are you guys doing right now to get more people in the door? Yeah, you know, so we, we've tried so much stuff over the years. Now, um, we were, Toronto uh, was the most locked down city in the world. Um, we, we had the most time uh, or most downtime. So we were, we were closed for almost a year and a half. Um, and that, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, I don't, it is what it is. We had, we had a bunch of governmental support. Um, we had a great, we have a great community. Um, uh, you know, and I feel very uh, grateful to, to have had the people we had, to have the support we had um, and, and just the fact that we're still here and able to do this, but yeah, it, it, it really changed things. So when we opened back up and that was just this past July, we had maybe 30% of the membership we left with. And so um, I had to take a deep breath and say, all right, well, what are we going to do about this? Um, and what's interesting is I still have not run any paid ads uh, since we reopened. Mm -hmm. We, uh, the, you know, new people come from one of two places from referrals or from uh, folks finding us generally organically online. Um, and the, and so we have good Google reviews. I, I dare say we have great Google reviews. And, um, and so people typically like the most common story I'll hear from those folks is, Hey, they were looking for something in the neighborhood, uh, in their area. Proximity is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they, they read through our stuff and something resonated with them. And, um, and then from there, I think, um, part of that, that, lead management process is 
to make sure that people never feel like they don't have control over things. They never feel rushed. Um, you know, I, I really try to frame it from their perspective. So, you know, when I think about, uh, for example, some big box gyms will say, Hey, we do this, the, you know, you know, the standard sort of high pressure assessment. Let me tell you why you're terrible and are about to die. Yeah. You can't do anything. You need us. Yeah. And also, no, you can't just try a, a personal training session. Don't be ridiculous. You have to buy 50. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that should raise a lot of red flags, but I mean, it still exists, which, which kind of blows my mind. Absolutely. But we, we do. So, so after we, you know, I try to get back to people right away. That's still, that's still best practice. Um, I, I call them right away and a surprising uh, percentage of them pick up. I'll text them if they don't pick up. Um, and I still handle, um, we've got wonderful coaches who do, you know, I'm not doing a lot of the day-to-day the -day stuff here, but I still um, handle that part because I want, it's so important that people have an amazing experience. You can't just, it's so hard to automate um, that, that piece of things. So um, we'll have a chat. We'll figure out where they are, what they need. And I will offer them um, a time to come in and we do, you know, we, we call it an assessment. Uh, we've played around with the language too over the years, yeah. strategy yeah. sessions and all that stuff, but it is, it's the expectation that people have what, um, some people, if they've been through that, um, the big box mill, for example, I've had some people kind of really seem surprised when we go through things and I go, Hey, uh, you move pretty well, or, you know, let's, let's focus on this. And there's no, there's nothing to kind of chip away at them psychologically yeah. when it's just positive. Yeah. Um, but you know, for the most part, um, the, the assessment process for me is really, is really quick. Um, and I, you know, and I would consider this, even though this is what we need for, for a great training experience and process, I would, I still consider this part of the, how they're getting to know us initially. So, Absolutely. so it's really hard to kind of separate it out. And, and so my questions are what's going on structurally. I want to know how their hips move. I want to know how their shoulders move and what the bony end ridges are. I want to know, you know, injury history, anything, anything that is immutable, that is a structural part of them. And then for everything else, I want to ask, well, if there's anything that I don't love, if there's anything that, um, cause we already have a, a, a game plan for how we want to work with most people. Is there a reason that I would have to deviate from that? And if that's motor control, I'm going to test some stuff out and I'm going to figure out what does their body respond to? How do we have a, a, a nice little interface with their nervous system? Mm -hmm. what, what makes things more pliable, what makes them move better. And once we've got that and we've got a clear vision for how to move forward, um, you know, we'll, we'll get right into it. And then they have the option. They can go, um, they can sign up for a month. We do hundred percent guarantee on your first month. You have to love it. Uh, it costs more to do your first month. Um, and, and at that point after that, people can either figure out if they want to do a month to month Mm -hmm. membership with no commitment or, or if it really feels like, Hey, I'm going to be here for, for a long time, they can save some money and do, do an annual membership. Okay. Awesome, man. So as far as like number, like what is your guys, like how many more people can you take right now? I know that, you know, COVID, I mean, obviously been shut down a year and a half. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, you did, probably didn't retain everyone. So just uh -huh. curious, like what kind of restrictions you guys have now? And, you know, what can you hold? Yeah, so uh, we, we've made our way up to probably a little more than 50% um, capacity uh, mm -hmm. from, so, so we've grown, we've grown a fair bit, you know, like everything, like any, you know, somebody trying to lose fat, it's, uh, I'd like it to be faster, yeah. uh, but I cannot complain. It's, it's gone well. 
Um, and you know, you know, one of the other, the other pieces we're really managing, we're really focusing right now on, um, on referral internal and, and making it easier for people to do that. And again, it's not so easy as anybody who's, who's run a gym knows you can't just go, Oh, well, here's an incentive. Boom. Um, and, and, and watch those referrals magically flow. That's not typically how it works. Um, so, so we built up, um, and, and I, I think we've, we've still got some work to do for, uh, for the cruising speed I'd like to maintain, but we're on a good pace. Um, uh, I kind of have to look at all of our data anew because, you know, the world's changed. Uh, as far as COVID goes, um, we, uh, part of being where I am, there's a vaccine passport and I know that will rankle some of our American friends. Uh, but, uh, that this is, uh, you know, if you are evidence-based, if you say that you're evidence-based, this is the best evidence that we have. Um, we statistically speaking on the, you know, on the quality of evidence that we have and, you know, anecdotes don't count. Uh, they are the bottom of the, uh, of the, the hierarchy. Um, this seems to be the way to go. We have a pretty kind of sciencey uh, group of people who come. So it, it's, um, it's been pretty welcome within our community and, and they feel more comfortable knowing that we're upholding that. Um, so folks come in, uh, they wear a mask to come in. We warm up uh, as a group, masks on. And after that, we, we space them out. Um, we'll set folks up in kind of a pod. Um, you can see behind me, we've got uh, you know, rack set up. Those, those are spaced yeah, yeah. Uh, a little more than, than they're typically spaced. Uh, there will be, you know, a bench, a, a pivot bar, you know, landmine, um, whatever equipment they need. Once they're in that, in that pod and they have the equipment they, they, they'll need for the workout, they can unmask and get down to it. Okay. Awesome, man. So as far as like your people coming in, are they pretty cool with it? Or, I mean, th yeah. they get it right. Like they know, like, this is what has to happen. Uh, we are in the health business. So it is our job to do everything we can to, to keep people healthy. And um, our, our membership has been overwhelmingly supportive of it. It allows them to feel a little more comfortable, a little more at ease. I, and I still operate like, Hey, um, it's possible. Someone, a vaccinated person can still, um, you know, be positive. It, it reduces the risk. It doesn't eliminate it. So we still want to, you know, uh, we, we've tested the airflow in here and it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's, uh, it is a little lower than the quality you'd want in a hospital respiratory ward. Oh, just nice. to say it's, it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, so, and, and airflow is, is a really huge factor. And so, um, I just want to, I want to operate in a way that, um, we can't eliminate risk just like training. We can't eliminate risk, but we can do everything possible to statistically minimize what it is. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, we are getting towards the end of our time on the podcast. So one thing I always like to ask people, um, like, let's say like a year from now, what does growth look like for you guys? So I, um, you know, I've tried in the past to really scale this. And it is, it's, it's a tremendous amount of, of work and stress. Um, right now, I am focusing on experience. Um, my experience in what is, what is quality of life? What is freedom? I've, I've traded away. I could, you know, I could be working more hours on the floor. I could, I could be personally making more money. My trade-off has been my own time and freedom. Um, I focus on the experience first and foremost of our staff. They, I, I really want their working life to be uh, as, as ideal as possible for their, their job is to be in the moment 
really when they're on the floor they are um so so we they are they are actively coaching and modifying things um and making them fit tailoring exercise selection and programming to fit the individual and it is it is engaging and it is fun and it is rewarding and challenging and they and and i have people that that really respond to that so that i, I want to make sure that they're taken care of and they're not overwhelmed we're not trying to work them 50 60 hours a week and right. that is that is sort of the hierarchy um i worry about our our coaches first because those are um support system for our members so they've got to show up fresh and 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 in a great frame of mind and in that way they can take great care of our people and ensure they have they have an excellent experience and um people's time here improves their quality of life and i think and that's that's our job and that's and and that's sort of the the lifeblood of our our business because i'm not that worried about what somebody's body composition is whether it's up or down a couple of points i want them to be engaged in the process i want them to be feeling like they're moving forward in a meaningful way and um we all sort of agree that this is a long game so um just like me you know and i message this right away to people i'm less interested in where you are in 6 weeks than where you are in 6 years where you are in your 60s so um we we really want to um look at things through that long uh that long lens. Yeah, absolutely man. And if um yeah, I mean if you get people thinking like a long game, like you know, I don't want to see your your 90 day transformation photo. I want to see your 900 day transformation photo. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you get people thinking in those terms, it it takes a lot of the pressure off, you know, as far as um as far as everything really. So that's um that's the cool thing about it. Mhm. Yeah, we don't want to be complacent. We want to find ways to move forward, but we are also patient. And that that is a big, you know, and I think that's some of the energy we're trying to we're trying to bring here. I'm not your expectation, my evaluation of you is not based on, you know, um how quickly you progressed over the last week. We are we're looking at this in measured steps and your um repeatability and consistency is, is going to be our ultimate KPI. Yeah, absolutely man. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Um had a good time and I know that uh, our audience will definitely get some good value out of this. Good, I appreciate it. All right, man. And for our listeners out there, if you found value from this podcast, please click the subscribe button and if you are a gym owner and you want to be featured in the podcast, click the link in the description, apply to be a guest. Until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple. Cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. 
Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches, doing the work, changing lives. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guests, husband and wife, super team, Haley and Tristan, owners of Lion's Den Strength, Mobility, and Performance in Denver, in the Tech Center. Guys, thanks for being here with us today. How are you doing? Good. Good. Thank, thank you for having us. Yep. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. Uh, I'm so excited. We had our pre-conversation pre, uh, chat set us up for, you know, a rock and roll 20 minutes. So let's get into it. Tell us about the Lion's Den, how you're changing lives there in Denver. So Lion's Den really exists for us to create a fun communal environment that's centered around strong movement fundamentals and really helping people connect the dots between their, their movement performance, day-to-day uh, -day life, how they're feeling, um, how these things translate uh, to all aspects of their life, and, uh, and really to have a community that supports each other and, uh, and coaches that are there to help educate and guide people, um, you know, on their journey of, of, of health and fitness. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds like about as uh, polished and concise as you can explain something that has as many things as you have going on. And I want to dive into as many of those as possible as we can, but I just want to rewind a little bit. I know you've been in the industry a while, um, but I want to talk about when you made the transition from working in a big box gym, uh, someplace that you had a lot of loyalty to, but also had seen some things that you just wanted to do better. You wanted to serve people better. You wanted to do things in a way that was, 100% alignment with where you wanted to go with it. Um, you decided to take that leap. What was your thought process there? What was the aha moment? And, um, and what, what made you make the jump, burn the boats? Yeah, so it, it was about, so the Lion's Den's been open now for a little over three and a half years. Um, and it was about five years ago that we kind of started this process. Um, and, and kind of, as you said, I was working at a, at a, at another gym and, and just wanted to kind of meet my full potential, I guess, and felt like I needed to, needed to, uh, do that on my own. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a group of people around me that, um, that kind of made me believe that that was possible to be perfectly honest with you. So um, I think, you know, left to my own uh, devices, I'm not really sure if I would have thought that this was a doable dream or goal. Um, and I was fortunate to have some mentors around me that were like, Hey, you can do this, you know, like you can, you can make this jump. And, uh, and with that, uh, we, we kind of started the process of, of, putting together the business plan, what we wanted to do, where we wanted to be, et cetera. Um, and then we spent a year long process trying to find a space, which was, which was an exhausting adventure. But, uh, but we were, uh, after about a year, we, we finally landed our kind of initial location um, and, and uh, started there about three and a half years ago. And, uh, and we have since moved into a bigger location that we've now been in since the beginning of 2020. Um, so we were in our old space for just under two years and in our current space for uh, just over a year and a half now. Awesome. Awesome. So you figured it out. You're making the leap. 
you have a certain amount of clients who are probably going to follow you wherever you go. Uh, so you have that in your back pocket. You sign the lease, you build it out, you open the doors day one, and then it's like, oh crap, this is real. So right away, there's always some things that just stand out to, to gym owners that make that jump from a trainer somewhere else to a business owner. What would you say the biggest things were that right away you were like, this, this is real and I'm not sure I expected it, but here we go. Yeah. So I'll say, so I'll say that. So, so that first day that I walked into our, to our original space, I do remember getting like a sense of this is what I should be doing. Um, you know, I, I was so scared initially leaving my old, uh, my old gym and my, and my old job. And I was a personal trainer there. Um, and, and as you said, you know, you're, you always feel like you're going to have people that are going to come with you, but you don't know until they do. Right. So it's like that day, you know, it's like people can tell you, but then, you know, the day actually comes and do they show up for their session kind of thing. Right. They're not going to the gym that they get went to the week before. So, um, so that first day I went in though, and was like, this is, this is the right thing. This is the right place for me to be. This is what I should be doing. And I was very fortunate in the sense that, um, that, that uh, the vast majority of my clientele followed me over. And, uh, and so that, that took a little bit of kind of uh, that initial anxiety off the shoulders. Um, but then I think what very quickly became apparent was A, the need to grow beyond just being a personal trainer um, and really start trying to think about it as a business owner uh, from, or thinking about the gym from a business owner perspective. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, it was all the things that I didn't know that I, at the time, I didn't know what I didn't know. And thank goodness I had Haley because um, she's a lot smarter than I am when it comes to a business. So, <laughs> so, so uh, she, she was there to kind of save me in a lot of ways when it came to uh, uh, some of my uh, uh, weaknesses or shortcomings. So, um, so a lot of the kind of just back end business stuff, you know, a lot of things that you just, I think when you're a dra trainer with, with, a, with a dream, you're not really thinking about the nuts and bolts of how this thing actually runs and operates. Right. Um, and Haley actually has her MBA and has a far better understanding of a lot of these things as, than I do. And uh, thankfully was able to, um, to really help build out the, the, the business on the back end and make sure that it runs um, because I can train, but I wasn't going to be able to do that. And I didn't know that until honestly, until I got into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be, being a, having your, your life partner, business partner, um, and also counterpart yin to yang, uh, having an MBA and, and being able to look at a PL and a balance sheet and all that stuff and be like, Shh, I got yeah. this is, uh, is pretty awesome. You know, so that that probably saved you a lot of headaches and a lot of growing pains or, or maybe a, a lot of money that you could have thrown to a CPA or something like that, who, you know, for all you know, is has your best interest, doesn't. So, you know, have, having that in-house knowledge is is amazing. And also, I'm sure it helps to rein in, you know, you, you start getting starry eyed, you see shiny objects and it's like, nope. <laughs> This, this is how it looks. Let's do this first. So it's, it's awesome to have that, that balance there. So you open the doors, you realize, all right, cool. This dynamic is going to be beneficial. 
you had your, your book of business, people that came over with you. Uh, everybody always wants to know, besides that, that initial rush, that, that word of mouth, like what other things did you do to grow the business? Because you're, you know, you're near on in the neighborhood of 200 clients altogether now you didn't start with that many, right? So what, what have you done to grow? What have been your, your biggest wins? I mean, honestly, I think our biggest wins have been providing a good service and being around long enough to grow. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I don't think we do, you know, marketing is not necessarily our strongest, uh, our strongest, um, uh, branch of the business you know i think we we have succeeded through word of mouth um by and large we've also succeeded through having um coaches over the years that have been willing to go out and and work hard to drum up business and get people in the door um and and so um we've benefited from that um but i think i think our our number one strength honestly is 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 providing a good service and and then being around long enough for that to, for those uh, you know for for those seeds to kind of take root and grow. So let's add to that. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I agree. Um, we have since um, we do have like a social media manager now that yes. helps us put out a lot more content, a lot more regularly, which I think is is big for kind of getting our, the word out there that who we are and, and that we exist. Um, and then I think the other thing is trying to go to as many events as possible, um, especially because Tristan does a lot of running. We have a friend who times some races, so we try to go to races and, and put up a tent and just kind of be in the community as much as possible. Um, but I think to Tristan's point, marketing is definitely something we want to improve on that I think people don't think is necessarily the most important, but it's definitely something that you need to pay attention to and and have a budget for i would say yeah and i and and, and yeah and i should yeah I, I agree i should maybe backtrack a little bit there because we do beyond word of mouth we certainly have we certainly have invested into marketing and we're fortunate because um our our social media manager was actually a former coach of ours um in the early stages and so she very much kind of understands what we're trying to communicate to people um, and she's great. And so I think that's just awesome that to have somebody who, yeah. who can really deliver, um, you know, the kind of message that you want to de deliver and, and not be something that, that we have to spend a ton of time on is, is, is great. Um, so we have somebody who, who we really trust to, to be able to deliver what, what we want to communicate effectively. Yeah. I think having a good social media presence, although it may not seem like there may not be a huge return on investment um, that you can track necessarily, but I think when people Google and they find Lion's Den, what's the first thing they do? They go to your website, they go to your Facebook, they go to your Instagram, they look at your social media, they go to your YouTube channel. So I think it's it's an important thing to have, and I think we've gotten a lot better in the last year um, with that than, than we were when we initially started. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys hit, you hit a, a bunch of, good stuff there. And I just want to kind of circle back a little bit, just so, you know, you're hitting the, the guerrilla marketing, the hand to hand, the out in the community, you have, you know, good word of mouth, good referral, which, you know, you, maybe you didn't give yourself quite enough credit there. It's not just a matter of being around, right. You have to keep the clients around and give them good service 
it has to be so good that they want to talk about it because most people on the couch don't want to come do fitness, right? It's just, it's inertia, right? Your biggest competition is always the person who's like, oof, looks good, good for you, but I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to do that or if I can. So, you know, making people your advocates or uh, raving fans is, is one of my favorite little like marketing business books. Uh, if you haven't read it, it's worth the read. It's, it's short, easy, and it's amazing. Um, getting people out to, to advocate for you and then keeping that organic social media presence there too, because nowadays, let's face it, whether you said it, whether you can, you can't really measure the ROI. You know, I pay my social media manager this much and people are coming in and saying, I saw one Instagram post, sign me up. They're not doing that, but they're seeing, all right, one, it's a real business because if you don't have good social media, people just assume you're a scam at this point. Like, what do you mean you don't have an Instagram? Nope. You know, that's not going to happen. Um, but also it lets them get confirmation of what they may already think or hear or want. I Googled, all right, and looked at the programs. Uh, I don't really know what ready state is, but all right, go on your social media and I see that that you care about how people move and, and not getting injured or, you know, you have you have physio on site. So, all right, these people are really serious and you can tell like there are different flavors that people are looking for. And what a lot of people are looking for is people that know what they're doing that aren't going to get them hurt, right? That's a big thing that keeps people out of certain types of facilities because yeah. they think I go there, I'm going to get hurt or I hear a lot of this stuff. So having your own brand, your own niche and maintaining that like, hey, this is what I do. You're going to you're going to overcome an objection before it ever even exists because people are like, okay, this is a place where I can come get some coaching, be safe. I'm not going to be just thrown to the wolves. So it's super important. And, and we do always like to talk about the paid side of, of advertising, paid social media ads, things like that. But if you don't have a solid organic presence, then it's, it's really not a good idea because you put money into people thinking that it's just a scam. So it's important to have it. Um, it's not, it's not as predictable. It's not as dependable from an ROI standpoint. Uh, but it, it is necessary. You just can't, it's really, really hard to live without it. You can live and have a successful business these days in fitness with no website. If you have good, if you have good Instagram, yeah, right. yeah, it's so true. It's, yeah. it's wild. I, I've seen it happen a, a couple of times with gyms will grow to a couple hundred members with no website. It's just oh, yeah. the URL leads to their Instagram page. It's like, okay, looks cool. Sign me up. So have you guys done anything in the realm of, you know, put money in, into the Google or into the Zuckerberg? Or is that still something that is kind of a, a little bit of a black hole? You've definitely done some paid ads on Facebook and Instagram. And um, we still will do that, especially when we have like a new program or something coming out. But um, it's definitely something we want to explore more. Um, so, but yeah, it's something we've done and I would say need to do more of. Yeah, I think we intend to do more of. So yeah. it's something in the kind of second half of this year that we've been doing more of. Yeah, it, it can get, you know, you talked about having a budget for it and because it's changing, it's so dynamic, the back end of it, you know, it's, it's awesome that you have somebody, your social media manager who can put everything out in your voice and keep it on brand. So the front side of it is important. The back side 
they're always changing it. And, you know, you talk about budget, like you can blow thousands before you even know what happened. But the flip side, you know, is that there are still fitness businesses today that, you know, that we talk to on a regular basis that it's not a matter of budget because they put a dollar into Facebook, get three, four, five dollars back in programs. So there's, there is hope. It's just a matter of, of doing it. And the, the trial and error can be a little rough. So, you know, where, where you can accelerate that can be, can be good, but there's definitely hope for it. And there's room for it. A lot of people think that it's, it's dead or it brings the wrong kind of people. It's like everything else, right? You can say this training methodology sucks. It gets people hurt. And you're like, well, how, let's talk about application and, and practitioner to steal a word from, from Tristan. Right. So, so, People are still raising their hands saying, I want to know about lines then. I want to come in. And, and you touched on a little bit earlier. Most of them are going through you, the two of you, in some way, shape, or form. What does that process look like once somebody raises their hand, sends you a text, fills out a form on your website? What's the process? So um, I manage our email inbox. And so all of our forms go to one inbox. And then I will, um, I will get it daily. And then I usually, depending on what they're, they're signing up or wanting to sign up for, if they're inquiring about training or classes, I give them a call and just figure out a little bit more about them and their, their fitness journey and what they're looking for. Um, so we can kind of determine who would be a good coach um, for them. And then from there, they get to come in for a complimentary movement assessment. Um, and they do that with either the coach of their choice or a coach that we pair them with. And then from there, they either end up joining that coach for personal training, or they might want to try out classes. We'll do a free week trial of classes. Um, if that's something that they're interested in, or if they're interested in, you know, the women's program or something, one of our coaches has a really good, um, what's the right closing rate, I guess, of people that she does assessments on joining her women's program. So um, yeah, they come through me and then a lot of times Tristan and I will talk about them too. And I'll say, here's what they, here's what's going on with them. Here's what I'm thinking. Do you agree or, or who do you think is a good fit for this person? And then, and then we'll hand them off to that, to that coach. Awesome. So all of the initial contact is manual, right? There's no automation, no automated text, no, no conversation bots or anything like that. You're getting it you're responding to them, you know, as quickly as you can. And then you're kind of triaging it to where it needs to go and where you're going to be able to serve that person the best with what you have to offer. Yeah. I'll put it into a lead tracker that Tristan and I have so that we can, he can look at it and see, or if I need him to follow up um, or if I need to follow up, it's just, you know, tracks all the information. Um, but yeah, I, I typically like to do a phone call. I find that, uh, emailing people a lot of times you don't get great response and a phone call you just get a better feel for the person and I think they get a better feel for us so I always try to call them um, and usually they'll answer or uh, they'll call me back if I leave a message yeah yeah absolutely and you know we find or what we hear is you know people are always astounded at if you can get somebody a, a phone call or a text message almost immediately you know, people, everybody texts these days too, but some type of real reach out. Like I said, email is, it's slowly dying. It's still there, but it's dying a slow death. It's, it's still holding on. 
but getting that back to them, you know, striking while the iron's hot, whatever happened that triggered them, because fitness is always a, an emotional decision, unless somebody's training for sports or competition. And even then there's a little bit, but general fitness is always super emotional. So when you say a lead tracker, is that like a Google sheet that you share or Excel or something like that? So you have a system, right? It's color coded. It's got notes, people's names and numbers, things like that. So yeah. it's awesome. That's, that's far and above what a lot of people have and having some type of system always beats nothing and the more organized it is. And of course your, your MBA background, it probably is a, it's probably got, you know, bells and whistles and colors and drop downs, but you know, having that is great and being able to share it, leveraging technology is is awesome where you can say, Hey, just take a look at this if you're not in the same place. So, so that's, that's super cool. So you guys are mostly personal training. That's your big focus. And then small group, no desire, not in your wheelhouse to do the, the big group thing, uh, because that's not the level of service that you want to give. And, and I think that's great. You got to stay true to who you are, right? There's, you're never going to give the best service. If you're not, if you're doing something, you don't want to do people, have to do any sort of uh onboarding or minimum like even to go from like personal training to a small group or to a small class do you require people to demonstrate a certain ability level safety things like that before they can even ascend that far so with our assessment process um we that initial assessment is really about assessing kind of current movement patterns um, and, and motor control skills, and then going over the kind of base fundamentals, generally there, and then we offer a three-pack of discounted personal training sessions for those individuals after their assessment session. I would say generally people who are not a good fit to go directly into classes know, they know, and the coach knows by the end of that assessment, essentially, right? Like you, they, they, they realize, okay, this is, Probably if this is the expectation of the movement that I need to be displaying, um, it's probably not a great idea for me to jump right into classes tomorrow. So I should probably jump into this three pack of sessions instead and do some one-on-one. -on -one. So I would say most people, so we don't have a formal kind of onboarding process outside of that assessment session, um, but I think it does a good job of kind of directing people in the direction that they should go. Um, you know, when we get people that come in that are looking for classes that might be, you know, former CrossFitters or, um, uh, you know, or have, you know, a gymnastics background or we've got some other, um, you know, kind of former athletes of various disciplines that come in, it's pretty clear that they can go into classes relatively quickly and they're going to be okay. Um, we take a lot of pride in our programming as far as making sure that everything is scalable. Um, so when we program, making sure that things can be scaled down easily. Um, and so if we do get people that go into classes um, that need a little bit of scaling, we can do that on the fly. Again, I think that's the advantage of having a smaller class. It makes it easier to do that. Um, but by and large, um, by and large, that assessment does a good job of kind of directing people in which direction or in which, uh, you know, which, which direction is going to be the best fit for them in the short term and then where they want to go kind of long term from there. So we, we honestly don't have, I can't think of an example where we've ever had anybody who just clearly should not be going into classes, attempt to go into classes. I think if we did, maybe we would sit them down and be like, this is not going to work. <laughs> we, you're going to need to do some one-on-one. -on -one. But 
Yeah, but that just that honestly hasn't happened. Regardless of background or where you come from, we always we require everyone to do the movement assessment. It's complimentary. It doesn't cost them anything, uh, but it's just part of our process that you have to go through this before before we have you jump into a class. Perfect. You're not telling them no. You're telling them why. Exactly. Perfect. And you've mentioned your your staff, and and you have a you know you, a staff of I think you said nine nine trainers right now. We have ten, including ten. including Tristan. Oh, you you count him? I'm a, yeah, yep. <laughs> She's the boss. I'm the coach. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know. She said some things about your coaching. I don't know. <laughs> um, so you you have a large staff. Uh, all things considered, where you are, um, and I know you said that they're about fifty fifty full time part time. Because you have a, a personal training heavy model, something that comes up a lot. Two questions. Um, one, are they mostly homegrown talent? And two, um, are they mostly W-2 or are they mostly contractors? Kind of just tactical black and white stuff, but it comes up a lot in, in questions yeah. that we get. So how do you manage those two things? Sure, I'll tackle part one, Haley can tackle part two. So um, so our coaches are... Um, are not necessarily homegrown talent. I wouldn't say, well, I would say, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call them homegrown talent by any stretch. We've got, co we've got one coach with a ton of experience and he's fantastic. Um, but all of the coaches have various degrees of experience. Um, um, and so then what we do though, is really make sure that they're a good fit for what we're trying to do. Um, so um, some of our team are people that we've had established relationships going years back. Um, and so they, you know, kind of know me, know Haley, know what we're doing. Um, and so, you know, it's pretty, we both kind of instinctually know whether it's going to be a good fit for them to come on board. Um, and then as we brought in new coaches that don't necessarily have a connection, a prior connection to us in any way or friendship or anything like that with us, um, then it's really kind of sitting down and we have a, we have a process that we go through to determine whether or not they're going to be a good fit and whether we're a good fit for them. That's one thing, um, that we really want is we want coaches who want to be part of our team. Um, we really want to have an environment where our coaches can be, um, both successful from a financial perspective, um, but also, um, feel supported and feel like they're part of a team where their voice is heard. Um, and they have um, they have a high level of, of creative control and freedom to build the kind of things that they want to build um, under the umbrella that is Lion's Den. So um, so we have kind of some core fundamentals that are really important for us. Um, as we talked about earlier, all of our coaches are are um, certified by, under the Ready State 101 certification. Kelly Starrett's. Um, um, uh, certification. I'm a big fan and proponent of that. So all of our coaches have that as kind of our core fundamental foundation. What I always, the, the analogy I always like to use is, is you know, uh, you can build whatever skyscraper you want to build on top of that foundation, but let's all make sure we have the same strong foundation that we're all kind of speaking a similar language. Um, so that when somebody comes in for an assessment, that they're going to get a very uh, a similar experience around what we're looking for from a movement standpoint, particularly particularly and what we're trying to teach to people. Um, and then each of our coaches have a lot of different um, backgrounds and experience around what they focus on with people. Um, 
I think Haley already mentioned, I know, and we talked earlier about, I do a lot of running. I do work with a lot of endurance athletes. I work with a local high school um, cross country team as well. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of a niche for me. Um, we have other coaches that are Olympic lifters. We have coaches who are um, power lifters. Um, we have a newer coach who's a former uh, pro level cyclist. We have, um, uh, uh, we have coaches, all of our coaches are very much kind of practice what they preach individuals um, and all um, very active people and that all have different interests um, that I think kind of guides the way that they build and do things with people. Um, but that being said, I think it's important that we do have a foundation that we all agree upon um, and that and, and that really goes a long way for us as far as are we a good fit for each other to be to be working together and uh, and, and to be at Lion's Den. Awesome. That's, that's super, super helpful for anybody who's trying to put together a, a larger group of coaches to really be able to visualize that. So it's, when you have two, three, four coaches, it's a little different dynamic, but as you grow that group, it's definitely, you have to really, really be set on what your vision is and, and where you're going with it. So anyway, I'll, I'll let you kick in on the, uh, on the I'll other be quick. It's just there, our, our trainers are currently their 1099 contract mm -hmm. um, trainers for a number of reasons, but um, it is, you know, maybe something that we would like to in the future um, when we when we get to that point um, of success would be to have everybody W-2 and part of the team and be able to provide benefits and all that sort of stuff is, is, is our long-term goal. So just a, a follow-up to that and, you know, and if you haven't been asked before or haven't heard it, um, the two ways that we see that go and you probably know more about the legal side of this than I do, but um, some some facilities will have the clients pay the individual coaches and then they pay the gym and and some will have the majority or all of them pay the gym and then they pay the coaches do you mind sharing which dynamic you you are in there sure yeah so we're the latter uh, yeah. lions den collects all the revenue and then distributes the commission because we have um commissions and based are are they change based on your revenue a generation for the month so um the lines and takes in all the revenue and then and then pays the coaches cool so you have whatever scale that you have in place there on on some sort of scale but you're you're collecting the revenue you're holding the majority of the insurance their yeah. contractors additionally named however it is but it's they're all under your umbrella and not a for the most part i know you have some some co-tenants and some business there, but for the most part, your trainers, your floor coaches are under your umbrella, but they, they're their own independent for purposes of, of like a 1099. Correct. Yep. And they all have their own insurance as well. Okay. So you kind of co-insured or additional name going both, both directions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, I think when you have, the combination that you have being personal training heavy and having that many people to manage at least for a while, you know, like you said, uh, there are certain milestones and different things that I'm sure you have of when you like to be able to do that and provide benefits and all that, but it, it works that way for most people for a while. So definitely, right. you know, for people out there figuring out to juggle it, 
consult your tax professional, your legal representative, whoever that is, but know that that there are people doing it that way. So I'd love to dive into um, into that model and your scale on the system you, you've built, but we are running close to out of time. So before we let you go, uh, main thing that I wanna, I wanna ask is I, I always, in my dream world, I'll be able to do a one year, two year follow-up, look down the road, either on the podcast, off the podcast, and check in with you and, and see where you're going. So in your dream world, where are you gonna be in a year, two years down the line? I mean, I think for, for us, a, a big part of what we wanna do is be moving more into kind of whole life uh, health and wellness. Um, so working with people beyond just kind of that one hour training session, um, but providing, having lines and be able to provide um, more services around lifestyle, nutrition, um, et cetera. We actually offered a program uh, at the beginning of this year called Foundations, um, which we intend to offer kind of a 2.0 version in the coming months, um, which started to address that. So that's something we're excited about. Um, and then, like I said, too, we work with um, a local high school um, on their cross-country team. And now recently, we're started to work with their lacrosse team as well. Um, and as we talked about earlier, I said one of my favorite kind of uh, uh, lines that I heard uh, 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 Kelly Starrett say many years ago was, you know, talking about becoming your local expert. Um, and I think for us, um, growing awareness of, of what we do and who we are um, and, and really trying to further that, um, further that, that, that feeling of, of, you know, we are your local expert if you're looking for a place that's going to help you, uh, help you move better, feel better, perform better, um, and, and keep you, um, you know, keep you, keep you off the sidelines and in the game kind of thing. So. Awesome. Awesome. That's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you've got a rock solid foundation, a great running start, no pun intended. <laughs> so, so I think that, uh, you know, the bricks are laid and you two strike me as the type of people that are going to, you're going to put your nose to the, to the grindstone and, and get wherever you want to get and do it because you believe in it. So that comes through and I appreciate it. Last thing before we let you go, you guys have a sweet website. I know you're crushing social media. Tell the listeners, where can they find you? Where do you want them to check you out? Give us all the addresses, the handles, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our website's lionsdensmp.com. So Lions Den, S for strength, M for mobility, and P for performance. Um, that's the same handle as um, uh, Instagram too. So Lions Den SMP. And then we also have a YouTube page um, where we uh, we try to put a lot of content on that. And again, uh, owe a lot of credit to our social media manager for that. She's really helped us build that out. Um, and I think we've got some great stuff on there um, for people who, whether you're a member of Lion's Den or not, um, there's workouts on there, there's mobility videos, there's warm up videos, cool down. I mean, there's all, we got tons of stuff on there. Um, so it's really, um, really a great resource for people and, uh, would love for people to, to check us out on any of that. Facebook is the same. As oh, well. Facebook. Yep, too, yep. SMP. Awesome. The SMP makes it easy. Like nobody was going to have your handle anyway, yeah. right? So wow. it, it lengthens it a little bit, but you don't have to fight like the real underscore. So lines, then right. SMP everywhere, check them out. Haley, Tristan, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time this afternoon. It's been awesome. Thanks, Dominic. Thank appreciate you. Thanks for having us.
Thank you so much. To all listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. As always, we appreciate you spending some time out of your day with us. If you want to be notified when new episodes drop, smash that subscribe button, give us a like, leave us a review. We want all the feedback that you have to give. If you want to be on the show, we know all gym owners have something to say, something to share. Click the link, fill out the form. Someone from the team will get in touch with you. We'd love to have you on. To everybody out there in Gym Lords Nation, keep changing lives, keep working hard, keep kicking ass. Gym Lords, out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.